turn with me please to a passage in the life of Abraham, Genesis chapter 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 6 tonight, so thank you so much for joining in. I want to remind us to please be in prayer for uh, Brother Jim Markham and Miss Vicki and their family uh, as they uh, are saying goodbye to Mrs. June Markham. And we mentioned that family this morning. Please remember them in prayer. Also pray for the funeral service of Mr. John Pollock that will be held tomorrow at 2 o'clock at Willowdale Cemetery. And just remember that dear family in prayer as well. Uh, so many things going on in these days. So many burdens and prayer requests and struggles that individuals are having. And so church family, I want to just thank you again for your compassion your thoughtfulness, your prayerfulness that you uh, regularly demonstrate to, 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 to others and not just in our church family, but especially those in our church family. Thank you for doing that. So as we jump into the Word tonight, I, I want to ask you a question. Remember when you were a child and your parent, your mom or dad made a promise to you and they said, i tell you what, I promise you that we will do such and such. It might have been, I promise you we'll take this trip. Son, I promise you I'll go throw a ball with you. Or honey, I promise you I'll take you shopping. Or I promise we'll do this. I promise we'll get you a puppy dog. <laughs> I promise we'll get you that rifle for hunting season. I promise we'll get you that bike. I promise I'll go with you so and so wherever. I make you a promise. And when they made you a promise, remember how enthusiastic you were? Remember how persistent you were? Until that promise came to fruition. Until it, that dream, that goal, that promise that they made to you became a reality. Remember what you were thinking? How you'd hound them and ask them and barrage them with questions. and, well, Dad, you made a promise. When are you going to keep it? <laughs> you told me we were going to go. When are we going? You told me we'd go shoot ball. Are you going to go with me? We, look, uh, Dad, you told me. Mom, you told me we'd go buy that dress or we'd go buy that outfit. Or, Can we go? Can we go? When are we going? When are we going? I know I was like that as a youngin, And I can tell you this. Aaron and I have two boys, obviously, as you know. <laughs> Both of our boys are like that. If I've ever made them a promise and said, I promise you we will do such and such, buddy boy, don't you think for one second that they forget about that promise. I don't care what it is. They remember. They not only remember, but they remind me of it until I fulfill what I told them that I would do. Children are like that, aren't they? But you know the truth is, we're like that. We're like that about promises that the Lord makes to us. And I suppose we take after our long-lost ancestor, spiritually speaking, named Abraham. Because in his life, he got to a point where when God made him a promise... 
he began to doubt. God hadn't fulfilled His Word yet. And Abraham began to remind the Lord, Lord, are you going to really fulfill your promise that you made to me? So I want you to look in Genesis chapter 15. Look at verse 1. After these things, we'll learn in just a little bit what these things refers to. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of, the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord, verse 4, came unto him, saying, This man, Eliezer, this shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir, out of your own heart, God said. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now, Abraham, look now toward the heaven and tell the stars or count the stars. Number the stars, we would say, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And verse 6 says, And Abraham believed the Lord. And God counted it for Abraham for righteousness. I want to encourage you tonight based on this text and this passage. And I, I want you to leave your Bible open there in front of you as we go through this passage together briefly this evening. I want to encourage you to rest in God's promises. Rest in God's promises. Ladies and gentlemen, if we've ever lived in a day of uncertainty, it is today. But if we've ever had the promises of God, it also is today. So many promises that the Lord makes to you and I all through His Word. And I want to encourage you tonight, as God's child, rest in His promises. Now, in order to do that, it absolutely requires the element of trust. We call it faith. That's why we say that the Christian life is a faith life. It truly is. It's not just that it requires faith and trust and belief in order to be saved. Now, we, we, we understand that. In order to be a child of God and to be redeemed, it requires faith and trust. But you know this, that God not only saves us by faith, God calls us to live lives that exemplify faith and trust in Him as believers. We are believers. That means we believe God. We trust God. We have faith in God. Not in ourselves, not in our circumstances, not in our good works. But the same God that we trust in to save us is the same God that we trust in as we live life day by day. It is that faith and trust in the Lord, that perpetual constant belief in the Lord that sustains us as individual Christians. 
It is that belief, that trust, that faith, that ongoing, progressive, continual faith and trust in God that enables our joy. It enables our confidence in the Lord. God is the one who supplies every single thing that we need. So God called Abraham from the Ur of Chaldees and God issued him a promise and he, the Lord said, I, I, I promise you, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. Remember how old Abraham was when God gave him that promise? <laughs> he was an old man. <laughs> His wife was, a, we would say, an old lady. <laughs> Past the point of childbearing years. And yet the Lord makes this promise to him. Some scholars have estimated that years and years had gone by from the time that the Lord first made that promise and first called Abraham out of the land of Ur to that land God said, I will show you, Abraham, where to go. And so as Hebrews chapter 11 says, by faith, Abraham began to live. <laughs> and he began to live for God. And he began to walk with the Lord. And he began to follow the Lord's direction in his life. And he began to wait on that promise from God that the Lord was going to give him a son. And as time elapsed, and time went by, the valleys, the struggles, living life. He began to grow weary in his trust. Just like you and I, who experience valleys as well, struggles as well, fights and battles, losses, hurts, discouragements as well. So many times those things can weaken our resolve to trust. So I want us to look at the text. I want to bring three observations very quickly as we come down the home stretch. What does this passage have to do with me? What does this passage have to do with us? Well, first of all, I want you to notice with me based on verse 1 that God already knows our doubts in our areas of struggle. He already knows our doubts in our areas of struggle. <laughs> verse 1 says, After these things... What things, Christian? Well, chapter 14 tells us that Abraham led an army, literal army of his servants and his workers, these men that were armed and trained for battle, to go and rescue his nephew Lot. And they went to battle and literally warred against and fought against the armies of the pagans and the heathens in the area. So I think about this. Could it be, could it have been that in this battle, uh, we believe that Abraham himself went with those armed men to fight? Could it be that Abraham was feeling or fearing a sense of retaliation by some of the local militia, the armies that they had just fought against? Maybe he felt like that that, that the leaders of the group would, would re, uh, 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 mount a resurgence and come after them to pursue them. Maybe he felt that his life was threatened. Maybe in the course of the battle, perhaps he even uh, came face to face with his own mortality, as we say. We don't know that for sure, but it's certainly a possibility. And as Abraham looked back over his life, he obviously remembered God's promise to him and, and he's questioning all over again and sometimes traumatic experiences cause us to do that. 
And he's evaluating his life. And man, God made me this promise years ago. Some scholars even say decades before. And now the promise still hasn't been fulfilled. Abraham is feeling a sense of doubt in God. A sense of, well, the Lord made the promise, but I'm not sure I'm ever going to live long enough to see the promise fulfilled. God sent His Word directly to Abraham. This is the first place in Scripture, by the way, interestingly, where God is represented as revealing Himself by His Word. God spoke to Abraham. God revealed His Word to Abraham, directly to Abraham. And He said, Fear not, Abraham. This is the fifth time in the Bible where God gave a revelation of some kind to Abraham, but the first time it's recorded that God spoke directly to him. Now, is it coincidental? No. Is it accidental that God spoke in the midst of Abraham's doubt? No. Oh, friend, I'm so glad today and tonight that God knows what our struggles are. He knows where to meet us, when to meet us, and how to meet us. Smack dab in the very midst of what we're facing and battling. I'm glad tonight, church, I don't have to hide my emotions from God. When I come to Him in prayer, I don't have to act like everything's (laughs) hunky-dory. I can truly confide in Him. He knows exactly every burden, every fear, every frustration. Abraham didn't have to articulate these things to God. And I remind you tonight, it's the Lord who initiated this conversation. He was drawing Abraham out and drawing him in to this discussion so that Abraham would truly to himself reveal his own insecurities and fears. God didn't need those things revealed to him. (laughs) This was the Lord's way of getting Abraham to come face to face with that that he was struggling with. I'm glad tonight to tell you, friend, whatever it is that you're struggling with, God already knows. I'm talking to individuals tonight that you are fearing God's plan either for you or your family or a family member you're fearing that. You're, you're, you're questioning that. Lord, is this you? Are you up to something? What are you doing in my life? Lord, it seems like you're about to disturb my apple cart. You're about to mess up some plans that I had, and I don't know how to react to that. I, I've been there. I've been there. Can I tell you that the Lord knows that? He knows what you're thinking, and He's come to where you are to reaffirm His trustworthiness to you. So we learn, first of all, God already knows our doubts and errors of struggle. The second thing we observe is this. and Listen carefully. True faith means that we move from believing that God could to believing that God would. We see that's what happened to Abraham. You see... It wasn't just a matter of Abraham believing that God could. Abraham believed that. 
He trusted the Lord. He, he took God at His word and no doubt about it, he believed that God could fulfill His promise. But by this time, he didn't believe that God would fulfill His promise. You see, he needed to take it from the possibility to personalize it. It's not just possible, but yes, it's forget probable. God told me. God told me he would do this, and I believe he will. It's not just that God has the capability to do it. It's no, God made Christian a promise. God made Abraham a promise. God made you a promise. And Man, God does not lie and never has, and He's not about to start with us. But Abraham was shaky. He knew God could, but he didn't believe God would fulfill the promise that he made. Because in verse 2, Abraham responds back to God and he says, Lord God, uh, uh, Lord Jehovah, that's God's covenant name. And, and, and do you think that's accidental? No, I believe it's deliberate. I believe Abraham was saying, now Lord, remember, you made a covenant with me. You're the covenant-making God, but you're also the covenant-keeping God. You made a covenant with me that you'd give me an heir, but Lord, it hadn't happened yet. What will you give me, God, seeing I go childless? Abraham was reminding God of the promise that he had made. Abraham asked God, Lord, what are you going to give me to compensate me? To, to, to how are you going to fulfill this promise to me to give me an heir when all I have, all there is, is Eliezer, who's a good servant, but he's, he, he's not my own flesh and blood child. Abraham was afraid that he would die childless. And by the way, that was a huge concern in ancient customs and even a bigger concern to Abraham since God had already promised to give him a son promise that that had that had yet to be fulfilled in that culture childlessness was considered among the greatest of tragedies some scholars believe that Eliezer was in fact a son of a female servant that was born in Abraham's household he would later become Abraham's most trusted servant but he wasn't Abraham's son Abraham brought that promise up to the Lord. I like what Spurgeon said. He said Abraham was simply spreading his doubts out before God. Can I tell you, just as with Abraham, God didn't get angry at him for doing that, and God doesn't get angry at you for doing that either. In fact, we're invited and even commanded by the Lord to come before Him with all of these things. Philippians 4, 6, Be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. Hebrews 4, 16, uh, Jesus invites us, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. James 1, 5 says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, watch this, who giveth to all men liberally, and he upbraideth not. That means he doesn't scold us or fuss at us for coming to him. These are direct invitations by the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon Him because He cares for you. All of these things are invitations by God to 
bring our burdens and needs before Him, our concerns and frustrations. And that's what Abraham does. John Davis said in his commentary, he said believers have often found themselves in the space, in the gulf between divine promises and personal experience. God's promise is clear, but circumstances do not seem to be leading to its fulfillment. Wait a minute, God. I thought I could trust you for this. And yet my circumstances don't seem like they're lending themselves to you fulfilling your promise. So I want to ask you tonight, dear friend, what are you going to trust in? The circumstances? Or the God who made you a promise? You say, Christian, you, you, you want to simplify that too much. Oh, dear friend, that's really what it boils down to. It comes down to a matter of what I'm going to trust. Who am I going to trust? Circumstances or the Lord? My emotion or the Lord? What God already said and promised? Or how things look from my human vantage point? God tells him in verse 4, Notice what he says. He said, and behold, the word of the Lord came back to Abraham and said, hey, Eliezer is not going to be your heir, but your heir is going to come from you. Just as I promised you years ago, Abraham, you are going to have a son. And God tells him, "God, it's, it's, I can see the Lord right now, and I love this, how I envision in Scripture. God walks Abraham outside his tent. <laughs> He says, Abraham, look up again. Abraham looks up. God says, I want you to start counting, Abraham. An astronomer with Yale University said that on any given night that the naked eye can only see about 4,500 stars. I don't know if that's true or not. But I know God said, Abraham, you start counting. And as many as you can count... Even more so. God said, as the stars of the heavens and the sands of the sea, that's how many will be produced from your bloodline. That's the same promise that God issued before as the stars of the heavens. Numbering them as an impossible task was an impossible task for Abraham. But the point is that his seed would be innumerable. And verse 6 says that Abraham believed God and God counted it to him for righteousness. Adam Clark said this I conceive to be one of the most important passages of the whole Old Testament. By the way, this very verse is quoted numerous times over in the New Testament for very good reason. The word believe there is an interesting word and I love it. It means to render firm or faithful. Think about that. Abraham believed God. Abraham in his mind, in his heart, in his spirit, he rendered God faithful or reliable. In other words, he declared it. He reckoned it. That's a word in Romans in the New Testament. He believed. He knew and held firm to the fact that God was faithful and trustworthy. He literally stayed himself upon the Lord. He was fully persuaded that God was able and faithful. This is the first time in the Bible that the word believe is used. 
Spurgeon said, over the head of every difficulty and physical impossibility, Abraham believed in God and therefore he stood accepted as righteous before the Lord. And I close with this tonight, that in the end, God is the sum total of all that we could ever need or want. As we come down the home stretch, I challenge you to look back at verse 1. Hear the words of the Lord. Fear not, Abraham. Fear not, Christian. Fear not, believer. I, God said, am your shield and your exceeding great reward. God said to Abraham, Abraham, you don't have to be afraid because I am your shield. I'm your protection. I'm your defense. I'm your covering. And I'm your exceeding great reward. I'm not just your protection, I'm your pay. (laughs) I'm not just your defense, I'm your delight. I'm not just your covering, I'm your compensation. I am your reward. He says, I am. God was personally that for Abraham. No proxy, no substitute needed. No one could stand in for God or be God's replacement or representative Can I tell you that there are certain needs and issues that no one can settle or solve or meet but God? And then he said, I am. Not I was. I am that for you. Currently, presently, continuously, in an ongoing, eternal fashion. God's command is always backed up and enabled by God's character. I love the statement that when you come to a place where God is all you have, what will you find? You'll find He really is all you need. So what does this mean to me? Well, I encourage you, first of all, personalize His promises to you. Personalize it. It's to you. Number two, let His infinite perfection reassure you that He will always do what He says. Now, we as humans fail to keep our promises. We lack the ability. We lack the character sometimes. We intend to, but we forget. But none of these things are issues with God. And then finally, identify which promise of God you need to claim the most right now in your life. And identify which one you struggle the most to believe and rest in. God has a promise for whatever your need is and whatever your struggle is. I assure you that the same God who makes you promises is the same God who will fulfill it. Let's pray together. In Jesus' name, Lord, we come before you. Thank you that you enable our faith and you strengthen us with the promises of your word and we practically apply your promises right smack dab to our situations tonight. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said,